1,652, John chapter 4, verses 19 through 26. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know, but we worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers that the Father seeks. God is spirit, and His worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. And when He comes, He will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am He. This is the Word of God for the people of God. John chapter 4. Three words, right? John chapter 4. Three words. Woman, water, worship. John chapter 4. Three words. We've been through teaching on the woman at the well. Last week we discussed water or our drink. Do you remember that? Oh, my gracious. Went to all that work, man. I got a bucket and water and a sweet tea from McDonald's and all that stuff. And everybody's like, uh, yeah, whatever. No, I'm just kidding. But we talked about water last week and what and our thirst, right? And that we drink all these different things. You know, I, I can't tell you how many times that I fixed our coffee pot this week. And I'm like, man, I remember I, I can't got to get the coffee pot ready in the evening. So I'm ready for the coffee in the morning. What about my worship? What about my water? What about what am I thirsting for? What about the Spirit of the living God? Am I getting ready the night before to praise Him and to worship Him and to spend time with Him in the morning? And I am, because I'm getting my coffee ready. Right? We can make it work any way we want to, can't we? This week, worship. This week is worship. Not like something that we're doing today. It's not the time that we spend singing. It's not the reading of our Bible. It's not walking into church, a church building once a week. Like this action gives us some kind of leverage with God. He doesn't look at it that way. It's not serving. It's not doing something nice. These things are all a part of it. Worship is our lifestyle. It's not a place. Worship is who we are. According to Webster's Dictionary, worship, to honor, to show reverence for a divine being or, or supernatural power, to regard with great or extravagant respect, a devotion, a celebrity, a sports figure is worshipped by their fans. As a noun, it's an act of expressing that reverence. It's a form of religious practice. Extravagant respect or admiration for a devotion. 
Some people worship the dollar. Give you a context of what we're talking about. They are so driven for money that they'll do whatever, whenever, to have that in their pocket. That's what we're talking about with God. Are we like that with God? Are we that driven to know Him? Years and years ago, as a matter of fact, it's, it's actually fading in my Bible, but I wrote this note. John chapter 4, verse 24. This is what it says, God is spirit, and His worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. And I circled that word worship. Here's our sermon in a sentence. Out from that word worship, I wrote, it's very faint, it is an occupation of the heart. Worship is an occupation of the heart. What does that mean? Occupation. We all know what that is. It's an activity in which one we engage. We are occupied with. We are busy with. It's the principal business of one's life. It's your job. It's your source of income. It's your responsibility. It's your livelihood that allows your life to function and move forward. It is the business that we are about. That's occupation. The same business that Jesus looked at his mother and father and said in Luke chapter 2, I am about my father's business. What's your heart occupied with? And if we look at that from a standpoint of our daily jobs and our business that we are a part of, that we can get so consumed by what we do, is God worthy of that much of your consumption? Yes. Worship is an occupation of the heart. It's what you do. It's who you are. It doesn't matter when or where or whether you feel like going to work or not. Can I get an amen? Anybody been there? You know, I was telling some of the guys this morning, I'm like, you know what? It's so weird. You ever have one of those mornings you, feel like, you don't feel like getting up and going to work? They're like, yeah, yeah, no, what's top said? Guess what? I'm there this morning. <laughs> that seems so odd, doesn't it? But there are times when we don't want to go to work. There are times when we don't want to go to church. Now we all understand that that's a spiritual attack, so you move through it, or you get another cup of coffee and you go ahead and you hop in your car and you head on to work because you know what, that's just what you got to do. That's worship, church. Worship is not based on whether we feel like it or not. It isn't. It's our job. That's what we're created to do. And you're like, well, Pastor Ian, how do I then get, how do I get my mind in a position to, to want to worship God? Because, you know, it's so much easier to do that when I feel like it. It ain't, it ain't about your feelings. And besides, the one that you're worshiping, the one that we get to worship, will help you get into the heart set and mindset to worship. Now, what are some of those things that help? Singing, right? Spending time in the Bible, praying, asking for help, all of those things. 
But it tunes us into being worshipful. It helps us. It draws us in. It comes alongside of us. And it positions our heart to be about our Father's business. Worship is an occupation of the heart. That kind of blows it out of the water when we go, so where do you go worship? And that's exactly what Jesus was talking to about to the woman at the well. So they get into this conversation, further conversation, Jesus and the woman at the well. And he says, believe me, there is a time coming when you will not worship on this mountain, nor in Jerusalem. Well, right there, don't forget when Jesus has already told her all the things that she's done. Now, she's already kind of like staggering back a little bit, going, what is this guy talking about? Now you're telling me I'm not even going to worship where I'm used to worshiping, where our ancestors worship, where, where my fathers worship? You're telling me that all that's gone? And he's like, yeah. Basically, yeah. But see, there was this division that we talked about in the Samaritans and the Jews. You know, they, they did not like each other. So, so much so that, that they built a temple in Jerusalem. There's a temple on Mount Gerizim. And they did that because they couldn't worship together. But they're out on Mount Gerizim because that's the Mount of Blessing. That's where Abraham had built an altar. That's where Jacob had built an altar. And they worshiped there. So if they worship there, then it's good enough for us to worship there. So we're going to build a temple. We're going to go worship there because we can't come worship in your place. Sound familiar? We got a lot of these little mounts of blessings all around town. And Jesus is like, look, no. That's not it. So when he's talking about this, he's letting them know that there's one God. He's letting them know there are no boundaries and that there is unity in the body of Christ and in the family of God. So where you go doesn't matter. Where you go doesn't matter. Where's your heart? Where's your heart? Though we gather here in this church building, today church, it's not about this building. And you know what? We have heard that said over and over and over and over again. But it's not about this building. As a matter of fact, the time that I've been here, we have been working to to allow our mindsets to go from inside the four walls to outside the four walls. Because this is where we gather to fellowship, to encourage, to build one another up, to edify one another. Why? Because Monday through Saturday can get kind of tough outside these four walls. And you know what? And that's where the fight is. That's where the battle is. Because when you allow your heart to be occupied with worship, it doesn't matter where you are, what gas station you're at, what desk you sit at, what store you go buy your clothes. That's where you're to be, church. This is not 
the church. We are the church, and we are on the move. This is where we get filled up. This is where we get encouraged. This is where we get pushed. This is where we learn. Out there is where we go put it into practice. Right? And that's what Jesus is talking about. He's like, we've got to... He's even telling her, we have got to stop thinking that this is where you go worship, and then this is where you live your life. She's a perfect example. Because she went to Mount Gerizim to worship, and she lived her life with five different husbands outside of Mount Gerizim. Right? And Jesus is like, no, that's not how it works. And he says, you worship what you don't know. Partly because the Samaritans intermarried. And when they intermarried, they allowed different gods and different religions to come to be a part of their society. Now see, she even said, she goes, well, I understand that when the Christ comes, when the Messiah comes, and he'll tell us all these things. See, that's a piece of what she knew. But she knew many, many other different things about many other different gods. And they would go worship here, and they would go do this, and they would go do this, trying to satisfy the different deities. And Jesus is like, you don't know. We know, the Jews know, and we know that salvation is to come from us because they had all of this history, all of the Old Testament, everything that had been written. So they knew that, was, that the, the Messiah was coming from them. And he, all of a sudden, Jesus levels the playing field between Jews and Samaritans. And he's like, this is what the Father is looking for. There's a time coming and has now come, verse 23, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. He doesn't say Jews and he doesn't say Samaritans. He says true worshipers. Because Jesus knew this was going to open up to the whole world. It doesn't matter where you used to worship. Are you a true worshiper? And that's what's going to spark her, quest, her, her responses. A true worshiper. So you're telling me everything in Mount Gerizim is going away? Yeah. Everything in Temple in Jerusalem is going away? Yeah. True worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. In spirit. You guys have been part of a school or something that's had spirit day? Right? Normal. Normal thing, right? I mean, you got to show your school spirit. You got to get dressed up. You got to paint your face, whatever else that people do. You know, but we, because you're, you're going to show your spirit. I don't really, probably don't need to go any further than that. Right? Worshiping in spirit and in truth. But, oftentimes, I know I heard it, and many others probably have yelled it. Bibi, I think about you. <laughs> when you're out on the practice field, and somebody is not doing it, they're just not doing it. You know it's in there somewhere, right? 
and you know that they could, they could really just put themselves into it. And what do we yell? What do we say to people? And it, this goes across many different things, but we say to them, put your heart in it. Get your head in the game. Put your heart in it. We all know what that means, right? Get in it. That's worshiping in spirit. Because the heart is your spirit. Put your heart in it. It's not about the music. Because the music will fade. Everything else will be stripped away. What is the one thing that you could ever offer to Christ that He doesn't already have? Put your heart in it. And you know what? Here's the interesting thing. That looks different for everybody. It looks different for everybody. In a time of worship, some may just sit quietly, head bowed. Some may want to get on their knees there. Some may want to raise their hands. It's like if you get pulled over by the police. Right? What's the one thing you do? Whoop! Surrender. Yeah, right? Surrender. In, in some people's hearts and minds, when their heart runs into the Holy Spirit during a time of worship and a time of meditation, that's the only thing that they can think about doing is because I got nothing, God. I got nothing. It's you. Some people will lift their hands. Some people will want to come forward and they get down at the rail and kneel. Even what the lady sang earlier, to bow down. To bow. Boy, that'll meet your pride head on, won't it? To come, what, while we're singing, to come down front and bow down before Christ. Put your heart in it. That means that you can't think about what everybody else is going to think or what they might think. Because you know what? It ain't about them. It's between us and Him. It is between us and Him. And that's it. And you know what? We come here every week and we enjoy being together. And I love having to kind of herd the cats to get the announcement started. That's wonderful because that's why we're here. It's time to fellowship. It's time to encourage one another. It's time to see each other. And you know what? If you need to come down front and kneel down before God Almighty or stand there and put your hands up in the air because something is, is stirring inside of you and the Holy Spirit is drawing you to Him, this should be the safest place for you to do that. It should be. We are known as one of the most welcoming churches. And if there is freedom in your heart to put your hands up in worship, in worship, then you should be free to do that. If your heart is totally occupied and consumed, there are no boundaries. It's a connection between you and the one who made you.
of all that's happened over this last year with the pandemic. It's been interesting that it actually gave us an opportunity to worship elsewhere. Have you found a sanctuary in your house? Because there is one. <laughs> and it's not the couch of the therapist office to go, I don't know if I'm going to make it tomorrow. There's a prayer closet in your home somewhere. There's a sanctuary in a room somewhere where God will meet you one-on-one. -on -one. And the pandemic gave us that opportunity. And we do enjoy coming back together without question. But one of the things that's really happened is for us to be able to see and understand that the church is mobile. The church is mobile. True worshipers worship in spirit. That is when their hearts are connected to the Holy Spirit that lives within them. And they understand how He is moving, him, moving them and directing them. And they are obedient to follow. That's worshiping in spirit. Okay? Worshiping in truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's reasons that there are red letters in my Bible. It's what Jesus talked about. It's what Jesus said. He is the truth. Worship Him in truth. By Him. By what He has taught. What you know is real and right. Worship in spirit and truth. I'm going to read a passage out of Acts, Acts chapter 17, verses 24 through 28a. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. He is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth. He marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move, and have our being. Luke wrote that in Acts. How applicable is that today? God made everything in this world. He is the Lord of heaven and earth, and He does not live in buildings built by human hands. He is not in need of anything. Rather, He is the one that gives everything. He marked out our appointed times. We know that. He has set the boundaries of our lands. He has done all of this so that we would seek Him, reach out for Him, and find Him. 
because in him we live and move and have our being. Is your heart occupied by worshiping him? Worship is a lifestyle. It's what we do. It's who we are. It's not something we do one day a week. It's what we get to do every day. True worshipers worship in spirit and in truth. It may get to a point when we're singing or we're spending time reading, the, reading God's word or we're fellowshipping and you go, man, I just feel like I need to get on my knees. What is this about? That's God. I feel like I need to put my hands in the air. I better sit on them or they're going to go up automatically. No, let them go. Well, I'm not very comfortable with that. Really? Get over it. I mean, isn't that what we do when, when we're, we're teaching kids how to play ball or when we're in the, in the classroom and, and, or we're teaching children at home or we're doing other things or, or we want our husbands and spouses to do certain things certain ways? We, we, we try to train, we try to teach, and we're like, you know what? If you get over yourself and you get over that barrier, you bust through what's in front of you, you will do this and you will become what I know you can be. God looks at us the same way, church. Let it go. Let it go. The things that hold us back are tactics from the enemy to hold us back. Why? Because hell couldn't stand it if we all rushed forward and did everything we were, we were called to do and designed to do. Right? So, who's with me? Let's charge hell with a water gun. Let's do this. But it's one of the things that we really have to look at ourselves and go, you know what? This part of me, this one thing that has held me back for years upon years upon years is not mine any longer. That's what this is for. You put it at the cross and be done with it. And you move on. And then you come, you come up and you find some people that you can really trust and those people that can be accountable. And you, you, you say, look, man, here's what I'm dealing with. Here's what I'm struggling with. That's why this morning I go, you know what? I woke up this morning and didn't want to go to work. But I told all of you. Right? What do you think didn't want me to be here? The enemy didn't want me to be here. But if I take what is given to me and pushed at me in darkness and I bring it to light, then what happens? It has to scatter. Darkness cannot stay in the light. And if I'm open and I'm willing to admit the struggles that I'm having and people hear that and they're willing to pray for me about that, then guess what happens? Victory. We move forward. And we move forward in power and in strength. We need to set ourselves aside because there is true worship that God is calling us to. And when we step into that role that He's designed for us, great and mighty things will happen. Jeremiah 33, 3. Great and mighty things. 
that passage even tells us. Great and mighty things. If you don't know, ask me. God says it. Ask me, and I will tell you great and mighty things that you do not know. Well, you know what? That's all me, because there's a lot I don't know. But I know the one who does. And he is calling us, just like he did the woman at the well. Set down your past. Understand that relationship with me is worshiping in spirit and in truth. And some of us are going to have to learn exactly what that is for us. You know what? That's okay. Again, call on me, and I will answer you and tell you great and mighty things that you do not know. Worship in spirit and truth. John chapter 4, the woman at the well. Three words, right? Water, a woman, water, and worship. Next week, I want you to read Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3. Here we go through this. We're going to talk about the fiery furnace next week. (laughs) Right? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the fiery furnace. Daniel chapter 3. Let me pray for you and we'll be dismissed. Father, Lord God, we are thankful for your love for us. We're thankful for your, your power and your might. We thank you, God, for sharing with us your heart. But God, I ask, God, I just ask and I pray for every one of us here. Lord, that you teach us how to be true worshipers. Teach us what it means to worship in spirit and in truth. Father, give us wisdom. Give us insight and understanding. And Father, bless us in ways that we would never imagine. And Father, as you call us out of our comfort zones, God, I just ask that our pride die. And Father, that you give us courage like we'd never imagined. Father, it's okay for us to just go, I can't believe I just said that. I can't believe I just did that. But Father, I ask you to empower us and strengthen us to be your hands and feet, to be your voice, but Father, that we walk to you each day in the cool of the day and hand you our heart. And Father, that we would just be occupied with worshiping you. Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.